Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Carmen Hunter. Carmen is the founder of the Institute of Functional Health Coaching, Carmen Hunter Health LLC, and the creator of the proven functional method of coaching, education, preparation, and action. She has over 10 years of health coaching experience to include hundreds of chronically ill clients, running group trainings, and doing live and online webinars and presentations for other well-known wellness organizations. She's been educating and mentoring coaches and wellness professionals for over eight years. Her number one focus with her clients is to empower them to listen to their instincts and intuition, as she believes that no one knows you better than you know yourself. This includes how to make choices about your health, your business, your relationships, and so much more. If you want to see what owning your life and healing from betrayal looks like, you're going to love this conversation I'm having with Carmen. While she has every right to stay sick, sad, and stuck, it was her powerful determination and willingness to move forward that led to a healthy, healed, and happy life. Was it easy? No. But unless we're willing to get a little uncomfortable, we're unable to heal. Here we go. Okay, everybody, I'm with Carmen Hunter today. And, you know, of course, this show is From Betrayal to Breakthrough. Not only is this another story of Betrayal to Breakthrough, but I but I brought Carmen on because I, I want you to understand the process. Everybody has their own process, their own recipe, their own how they did it. But I have a feeling this particular story is going to be very empowering and inspiring for you. So welcome, Carmen. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me join you in your community. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, thank you. So, uh, so everybody has just a sense of context. Can you share a bit of your story with us? Yeah. So just as brief as possible, um, married about 17 years at the time of the first disclosure or the first uh, finding of betrayal. I caught my husband texting with another woman, um, which led to him leaving the home um, in the middle of uh, the evening in the dark, in the cold with no shoes, no shirt, nor service, right? I basically said, get out, let him go. I was out of my mind. Um, as you can imagine, I'm sure many people listening can understand you go through a shock process. Um, fast forward to um, not knowing at all who the woman was or anything about the story, just that he had, he was in an affair and I got no answers. So literally felt like I was in a, a pool of stress for about 45 days as I hired a private investigator to follow him to find to try to get answers. I was raising my teenage son alone, who at the time was 13, um, ended up getting served with the divorce papers while I was watching a soccer practice one night by myself. So, you know, all of these things happened. And then eventually he asked to come home and being a person who felt like, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe that I should stay married. I should do whatever I can to work through the marriage. I welcomed him back into the home, but uh, along with that, I welcomed a lot of my own dysfunctions that came along with it. And, and those started to unfold in front of me, which was a process for me to start learning about myself and how I ended up there. Uh, fast forward again, uh, about, uh, about a year later, I would say, it seemed like April was the month for dysfunction in our family. Um, you know, it was disclosed to me uh, again that another um, affair had occurred. So a total of 15 betrayals overall, there were, um, there were, can I, I prostitutes involved, um, people that worked at my son's school. Um, and I lived in a community where everybody knew everybody. So what was especially hard for me was I did, I wanted to continue with the perfectionistic outlook that our family was perfect. We had the country club experience. We had the land rover. We had a beautiful home. We had a smart child. You know, we were both fit and we looked happy from the outside. And during the process of trying to move forward and heal for me, 
was about learning that I had to show up authentically as who I was to begin the process of healing. And I'm an action taker. I am not a victim. I do not like to sit in that victimhood mentality. So I also had to give myself permission and grace to start the process of learning how to be kind enough to myself and give myself what I had been giving away. So yeah, that's the, that's the story in a nutshell. It it was a lot, a, a lot of things transpired in between, but that's the gist of it. And you know, there's nothing like adding to your stress than acting like everything is perfect when it's not. And oh. it's so interesting too, because in the study that I did, we, we made three discoveries and there, but there were also three groups in the study who didn't heal. And there was one group where the betrayer had very little consequences. So religious reasons came up a lot, fear of breaking up a family, financial fear, whatever the reason was, this group did everything they could to put it behind them, tried to just move forward. I saw two things, a further deterioration of the relationship and by far, this group was the most physically sick because mm-hmm. your yes. broken heart just can't handle that. Yes. So, so obviously that's a lot to move through. How did it affect you? Let's talk about physically, mentally, and emotionally. Yeah. So I I very rapidly lost about 11 pounds and I'm not a very big person anyway. So I started to um, feel the effects of not having enough nutrients in my body. I ended up with a gut infection um, that you, you know, H. pylori, a severe gut infection that didn't show up for about a couple months after the actual experience happened. So I like to let people know, like, just because you feel great in the moment when you're showing up at the gym and you're like, yeah, I've got a new lease on life. I'm losing weight. I feel fantastic. What's coming down that pipeline is probably something that's going to be very difficult to move through. So I caution people not to get caught up in the excitement of losing weight and feeling like you finally got to that goal weight. You feel good about yourself because disease and and, and problems can come down the line. Right. So for me, that was the case. Um, I also... Um, and I, you know what? And I just want to stop you there. We have the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent people are struggling. And I believe, for, and this is 25,000 people have taken the quiz, 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, that could be you can't hold food down and then you use food for comfort. And 45% have digestive issues, anything from constipation, diarrhea, IBS, Crohn's, you name it. Yeah. So yeah. common. Yeah. yeah. Well, my problem wasn't overeating because I, I tend to go with intuition. If I can't eat, I know I can't digest. If I'm not hungry, I know I can't digest. So I, I go the other direction. Um, and so other than that, mentally and emotionally, it was really more, I turned around and, try, and started to blame myself for the, the falling apart of the marriage. I tried to take a hundred percent responsibility for it. I don't understand. You know, I mean, I do now at the time, I didn't understand why are you taking responsibility for all of this to the point where I would go to my therapist and say, am I the narcissist here? And she said, people who aren't the narcissist don't ask if they are. And I thought that was so helpful because you start to doubt yourself. You know, what could I have done differently? So for me, I was being, um, I almost feel like I was being like snowballed, like things coming at me, lessons were coming at me so quickly that part of my physical um, struggles was trying to keep up with them all and, and acknowledge and see them all without judging myself or shaming myself further, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so those are the things that were going on with me. And then on the side over here, the most important part beyond healing yourself is that I've got a child that has nothing to do with his father because of the anger he has from being abandoned twice. And I'm trying to hold it all together, but also let him see some vulnerability at the same time, which is a very difficult balance, especially with a teenage boy mm-hmm. who has lost his father as a role model. So Lots of crying in the shower, lots of hiding in the closet to talk to the attorney and lots of doubting myself on whether or not I was a great mother or I was doing the right things as well. 
Um, so there is, there's, it's a roller coaster ride to say the very least one that I wanted off of on a daily basis. And ha- so, so it seemed like it was just the, uh, just, I mean, it's not just the, the, the gut issues, the weight loss were the physical, the mental, it sounds like the, the mental and the emotional was, you know, it's, it's, I imagine sadness, you're taking this on, you're thinking, what did I do? And like, it had nothing to do with you. And then the, the mental of the trying to process all of it, what toll did all of that take on, on just your, you know, how you were managing the other aspects of your life? Yeah, well, I had to give my business over to my team. I'm an entrepreneur running a health and wellness business. And, and I literally just kind of, if I could do it physically, I would have said, here, here you go. Here's my business. I, I'm, I'm unavailable for an unknown amount of time. I, I can't function right now in that space. Um, thankfully, I had a great team at the time all over the world doing great things for me. But then that also left me fearful of my financial future. So this, the toll of it, I'll say this, and I always say, thank you, God, I didn't ever lose sleep. I went to bed and slept well every night. And I think that is one of the saving graces for me because you repair yourself when you sleep. Yeah. Um, is that I, usual because I that's one of the biggest challenges we have is, you know, we're not sleeping well and then, you know, our adrenals tank and then we're, so we're exhausted even if we do sleep. So yeah. Yeah. So let wonderful. me speak to that. That's a good yeah. point because what I felt physically, I also meant, meant to mention is my adrenals would burn in my back. So under, under significant moments of stress, I would get hot flashes from my feet to the top of my head and my adrenals would start to burn in my back. And that was my, my indicator that, whoa, you know, it's time to step back from whatever's going on. But I also want to kind of give this action step too for anyone who's interested um, if they're losing sleep. The one thing that I would tell myself every night, first of all, I would pray. I always prayed before on my knees where it was just me on my knees praying to God for whatever it was. But then I would also say, the night is here there's nothing that I can do now. The world is sleeping and I would let it go. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me is that I, I gave myself permission to release all of those things from the day and rest myself and my body. That's huge. That's really huge because we think, oh, wow, I'm, I'm in bed. I have more time to think. And that's like oh. the worst thing. Yes. That's the, wor- that's the worst thing we can do. So, so, okay. So now from the time of the crash and, and here I am, I have all these symptoms and everything is just going crazy. And I hand over the business. When did you start, when did things start making sense? And when did you start making meaning out of it? And when did you notice any bit of healing? Well, I'll, I also want to say this, that, you know, we were in therapy, we were going to do a trial separation. So we were both in our own individual therapy, and then we had some therapy together. So I was already very invested in, in, um, you know, growing and changing. I'd been in therapy for over a year. And well, since I was a teenager, I've enjoyed therapy. I think it's important. Um, but I, I actually reached out to my therapist and I said, I don't care how many times you, you, you can put me on your schedule. Like, I don't care if it's two, three times a week. I need someone to see this from the outside because I have so many blind spots and I need some help with that. So a couple of things that I did that were really powerful. Number one was I did brain spotting. It's a form of therapy that helps you locate memories in your brain that, that are traumatic. And those you, traumatic- you know, I would love you to go into deeper with that so people can really understand what brain spotting is. Okay. So as, as much as I can explain it, not being a therapist, but brain spotting is where you have a therapist that actually guides you with like a pointer or a finger, whatever they use. And you follow that with your eyes. And the belief is David Grand is the founder of brain spotting. The belief is that there is a memory. There's a place in your brain that a memory lives. And that when you find that space in that place in your brain, your, your body knows it, your emotions come up. It is very evident. She can see it on my face changing. I can feel it in my body. And the reason that we did this brain spotting was because my goal was to find out how did I end up in such a, such a situation 
where I betrayed myself for so many years and I gave my power away to someone who didn't have my best interest in mind because he had his own wounds to heal. So going after how I ended up there in the first place was super important for me. And brain spotting was the therapy that shifted everything for me and allowed me to change the script that was in my mind from I'm a victim, I can't do this, I'm all alone, all of that too. That's why that happened. Now I can see this differently. I can get some of my power back a little bit at a time. So brain spotting was the first step for me because talk therapy to me is great to be able to unload, but where are the tools that I need to shift the neural pathways in my brain to get me thinking in a different way? Exactly. So, and that's mm -hmm. the thing. The issues are in the tissues. We can't just, you know, talk therapy is going to hit it on one level, but we need to get at this where it, you know, where it's living. Which, yes. And, and that's why I loved you, uh, why you mentioned brain spotting, because it's so powerful and everybody seems to have their own uh, their own recipe of what works for them, you know, which EMDR for some, uh, EFT. I mean, there's so many different, different tools. So brain spotting is a great one. Yeah. Did you, and I, I did, did that you... too. I did EMDR. I did tapping. I did EFT. I did all the therapies mm -hmm. and I did three different brain spotting therapies. So I also want to say that it's really important that when you, that you find someone that you feel that connection with, that's able, that you feel safe with, because the third therapist, I told her, I called her and I said, listen, I don't know if you're going to be for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to get where I need to be with you. Um, but I am stubborn and I've got a lot of deeply rooted, stubborn behaviors in me that have, keep, have kept me from healing in the past. So I'm just going to be transparent with you. And she said, oh, I think I've got you. I think I've got you. And I came in and I'm like, we were immediately connected. So I think that's where the shift really started to happen for brain spotting for me, mm -hmm. adding in neurofeedback to support those changes and helping me to really restructure my neural pathways through neurofeedback was another game changer. I, I felt noticeably different physically, mentally, and emotionally after every session that I had. And with neurofeedback, because th there are, there are different, different types. Was there something in particular that really worked? Well, I will say this there, you know, and, and I warn people do your homework before you just jump into neurofeedback. You definitely want to use a, you know, a reliable um, location and therapist in conjunction with it. But for me, it was that I actually went into a space where they actually, the whole team brought you in with love. They, they gave you weighted blankets. They gave you, um, you know, very comfortable. They did essential oils with you. They set you in a peaceful environment. It was, it was all, it was the entire experience, mm -hmm. but also more than anything was allowing myself to believe that someone outside of me could support and love and, and give me the things that I need, because I am the kind of person that I can do it. Let me do it. I'll take care of it. That's probably part of the problems from my marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but for this, I had to surrender to the idea that, that God had something bigger for me. And these people were part of that. So when you say what turned the corner for me with healing was a prayer, a lot of prayer coming back to God, brain spotting, neurofeedback, and really just trusting that I could surrender and, and, and that I would have exactly what I need. And I'll tell you this one last thing. One of the things that my therapist said to me that was so, so powerful that I use in my own coaching practice today is God takes care of the widows and the orphans. And so from that statement forward, I never felt alone, no matter how alone I, I, I became, if that makes sense. Yeah. I always felt like someone had my back and that is huge. It, it's so, that's so powerful because then you, you realize, you know, first of all, you're not crazy. You're not alone. And then, and then uh, it gives you the incentive to, to seek out people and tools and resources that can help you. So with all the different things that helped, what was the, 
did you, did you feel like, did you notice it and how you felt first physically, mentally? Like, how did you, how did you see it playing? It's what, you know, playing out. Yeah. So physically I felt uh, more relaxed. So the adrenal burning stopped. Mm-hmm. My body started to calm down. I felt myself, um, there was a freneticism about my personality. Um, and I'm a high energy person anyway. Like I can get 10,000 things done, you know, to two. That's just my personality. Mm-hmm. But I also felt that way internally. I wasn't finding the peace within. So um, besides going to sleep at night. So what happened was I started to feel myself go into parasympathetic response and less in the fight or flight response. So that was a noticeable difference. Um, what I also noticed is that when I was working out, I started to have more stamina. I started to get that energy back. I started to put on some weight. Everyone started to, you know, tell me, oh, thank God I was getting so worried about you kind of thing, you know, how that goes. And um, not to mention all the primal paleo food that was delivered to my house to try to fatten me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think it was a real, it was a gradual process where I physically started to feel energetic, less frenetic, and more calm within myself. That's a nice combination right? Think about that. You're feeling more calm within because there's that feeling of, you feel like you're jumping out of your own skin. I know uh-huh. that feeling. And that's exhausting. Just walking around like that is exhausting. So yes. feeling that strength growing while there's a sense of calm and this kind of clarity that's showing up is such a great first step because then it's like, okay, I can, I can breathe here. I can, I, I feel like my feet are on the ground. What can I, you know, what can I do next? What did it lead to for you? What was, what, what was after you started feeling like that? Mm-hmm. How were you thinking differently? What were you ready to take on at that point? Oh, big decisions, which I was saying, you know, everybody says, don't make any big decisions after such a traumatic experience. Well, the first thing I want to do is pack up, move out and get the hell out of Dodge. Like get me out of here. Well, Carmen, it's only been three days. I don't care. Like I just needed to get away from everything. Mm -hmm. So when I started to calm down, I started to make rational, rational decisions. I started to, um, I stopped reacting Mm -hmm. and started thinking before I spoke and thinking before I acted. Um, I also really started to consider what was best for me. Instead of only thinking about my son and thinking about how it looked to this person or that person, and God help me, still thinking about his feelings, the ex-husband's feelings, even through the first year and, and all the craziness that he put me through, I stopped thinking so much about him. And that was big too. It's like, oh, oh he's going away. He's no longer, I no longer need his approval. So um, I decided that I did not, I no longer could stay where I was. I was able to make smart decisions about where I was going to move, Mm -hmm. um, the timeline of that. Um, And not only did I move, have surgery and get divorced in less than four weeks at the same time, you know, I I was moving my son too. So I had, I had a clearer vision, even though it was difficult, I was able to walk through it with clarity. Yeah. And that's so huge, but you know what, there's something, there's something so, uh, so empowering about the physical move. And it's interesting. And everybody who, who, listens, watches the show, they know I teach the, the moving through the five stages from betrayal to breakthrough. And one of them, the hardest space to leave is that stage three, that's where we're stuck. And then we, when we give up those small self benefits, you get to be right, you get someone to blame, you know, all that, the whole victim mm-hmm. stuff. You move to stage four. And I always use the example of, it's like if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, your stuff's not there, it's not quite cozy yet, but you know it's gonna be okay. And there's something about being in that space you're like, whew, okay. And you turn down the stress response and the body can start to be, you know, to begin to start healing. And so, like with you, you physically did that move. And it, it, I think it kind of accelerates the process sometimes. 
Yes, I agree. And I, and I'll say that when you just said that it really, it brought up a memory in my mind that, um, that I felt when I knew he was never coming back in the house again, there will, there was no return. I would never, ever let him back in the home again. I remember this, this, this veil of calm. I can't explain it, but I walked into my house about an hour and a half after finding out that again, that he had, uh, you know, cheated or whatever. And he had moved out four days before to do a trial separation. I walked in the door, I turned around, I shut the door and I went, Oh, I audibly let this breath out. I had yet to tell my son he's not coming home and he had just gotten home from a trip, but I felt relief. And the next day my son said, I have never felt so calm in this home before. Oh, wow. So if that wasn't, you know, kind of an exclamation point that the energy of the home had shifted and that I was doing the right thing, I don't know what could have been, right? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's like here you just... You faced those demons, you slayed those dragons, you had that dark night of the soul, you know, that we that we go through with with any kind of trauma. And then it's and then we become, you know, we if we want to heal, proactive. Okay, what am I gonna do about this? And yeah. it sounds like for you, you made those decisions that that put you on that on that path. So you noticed that you were getting stronger, you were feeling better. Tell me about the relationship with your son. Did that change at all? How did what happened with that? Oh my gosh, between he and I. Yeah. Well, that was tough um, because like I said, I was trying to balance that. How much do I show him? How do I not bash his father who he already can't stand? Mm -hmm. Um, How do I stand in, um, in my authenticity with the pain that I'm in? It was a very difficult situation. And I know, you know, as my 13 year old son was, was navigating around the edges of that. So what I did for sure, a hundred percent, I know I did right. Was that I pulled him in and I said, you are, you are to be the child. You are not to be the man of any house. You are a 13 year old boy. I want you to stay in that space. If there's ever anything that I do that, that makes you feel like you're being blamed for anything at all, you have carte blanche to call me on it with respect. So I really laid the groundwork for him to be open to come to me, even with things that might be painful for me. Mm-hmm. So, so our relationship changed in the way that we became, we started to do this back and forth more. We better communicate better. Of course, he was angry with me. There was a lot of um, this anger, which I had to manage. Like, is this normal teenage behavior? Is this boy behavior? What's going on? Is it the little girlfriend at school or is it me? And so um, I, I want to share this because it's really important uh, that anyone that's a parent with a child that is dealing with anger issues about the, the separation of divorce and whatnot, um, you know, keeping your finger on the pulse of that, knowing, you know, that, that they know, pull them close to you, always pull them close to you with good boundaries. But I went up to his room one night and I said, buddy, I said, why are you so angry? What is going on? Cause he'd just come in and it wasn't the normal. Hi mommy. You know, it was up the stairs, whatever. And he just looked at me and he started to cry. And he said, you let him back in this house the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and he yelled at me and mm-hmm. I gave him full permission. And I said, you know what? You're right. I did. And I did the best that I could at the time but you were right. And your thoughts and feelings were valid. And I should have paid better attention to those. And I'm sorry for that. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a nice shift for us also. Yeah. Um, and it's carried through, you know, we've had a lot of hard times here and there moving. He's been, a, he was angry with, with me for quite some time, 13 years old, moving to a new city, new friends. It was not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always let him know, I have your back. You are first to me and you are my priority. Yeah. So our relationship has gotten stronger and stronger as time has gone on. Well, you know what, there's also, and you can feel it, there's this mutual respect 
for yes. one another. And that's earned. And, and you know what? I love what you said, because I see this with so many uh, and, and well-meaning moms. I mean, what, what mom doesn't want to protect their kids, but I think just, you know, they, they don't realize it, but they put so much on the kids to mm-hmm. sort of make up for, you know, the, the, here's, they're a single parent and there's, they're overwhelmed or whatever's going on and it's way too much. And that's this unfair burden, but there is something about, uh, I also see the other side where a parent is so busy trying to shelter their child from all of it. And I think kids are smarter than we think. They know what's going on here and they feel it. They, you know, so there's something about being honest yet not putting too much of a burden Oh my gosh. Yes. hundred percent. You are so right. Because I had to, I had to consult my therapist right in the very beginning about how much should I let him know? How much do I disclose and how what's appropriate for his age? And my son knew he knew what was going on and he's, he's pretty relentless about it. I want the truth. It's not fair. You know, you should tell me, I want you to tell me everything with, with of course filters on, Mm -hmm. but my therapist also told me, she said, if you, if you are not truthful with him with good boundaries and filters, and he hears from someone else, the truth of what really happened, Mm -hmm. he will have no one that he trusts. So I used her as my guide. I actually talked to two other child therapists and asked their opinion as well, but I will share this too, that, um, my ex-husband kept to this day still thinks that I told him too much and continues to blame me for that relationship being fractured. And that has been difficult for me because I tend to want to fix it all and make it right. And that's not my yard. That is not my yard. That's between them. So no matter how much I tried to defend myself, I did everything I could to do this right. I'm never going to not be the person that made this happen, you see. So I've had to forgive myself for a lot of that as well and give myself the grace to know that this is not mine. It's not my fault. They need to fix this on their own. Well, and and, and it sounds kind of typical with the, the character of your husband, your ex-husband that you were describing, that blaming would just be a natural part of that too. But you know what? I think it's really important that you did that as well, because think about it. You were representing truth and trust. And if you're the only place he can get that from, for you to not be that, then then he sunk. It's like, well, where does he, where does he learn trust? You know, who, who to trust? if it's, if it's not coming from you. So I'm right with you. I think think you made a, you made a great move there and, uh, and kids are stronger than we think too. So I know it comes up a lot within, uh, within my community, certainly. So I'm, I'm so glad you're sharing that because I'm, I'm right with you. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Well, you know, here's the, here's a couple of things that were, that I have discovered and have been, you know, they've been in my toolbox. I love to think of, of healing as a, as having a toolbox of tools that we get to pull out every now and then and use what we need at that time. So a couple of things for me, um, especially moving forward. Now I'm in a healthy, happy relationship for the last two and a half years. I actually know what it means to be appreciated and loved and to, to reciprocate with good boundaries. Um, but just to, to recognize that you're an autonomous person that you are your own person. And until you are solid within that person of who you are, it is easy to, to get enmeshed in someone else's wounds and someone else's behaviors and blame yourself for them, right? Um, so returning to self and really discovering who you are and trusting yourself and your own intuitions is really important. So that's one of the things that I've had to learn to do. Um, also to not be the yes girl anymore. Um, saying yes was a way of, of numbing and covering up behaviors that I wasn't comfortable facing of my own. So um, for me, if something comes up, I look at it, I see it, I don't judge myself. 
I, I let it move past and through, and then I see what's left after that's happened. Is, am I supposed to do something with this? Do I pay attention to this? And what does it mean for me now? Um, and the other thing is this, is that betrayal comes in all forms. It doesn't come just from intimacy, but the number one thing for me and that I discovered was that, you know, I betrayed myself. So taking ownership of that and not in a blaming way, but owning that and never, ever doing that again and doing everything I can to not do that again has been really important as well. Oh, that's beautiful and so important. And there is such a link between betrayal and self-betrayal. So I'm so glad you said that. Carmen, where do we go to learn more about you and the great work you're doing? Yeah, so you can go to CarmenHunterHealth.com. All my information is out there. I, I educate uh, health and, and, and wellness coaches and practitioners, but I also work with the general public um, on, on health and well-being. And, and I'm really, I'm doing a series called Get Back to the Basics teaching people how to get to the foundation of health without a, an emotional, financial, and um, physical, mental stressor. Just trying to really underwhelm people and get back to the basics of living. Oh, that's so great. Carmen, thank you so much. You know, you, I, I knew your story and how you moved through it would shed so much light uh, on, you know, on any of our, you know, for any of our listeners and viewers, and you definitely did. So uh, you're an example of someone who has done the work come out the other side and, you know, are smiling and happy because of it. So I so appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I loved so many things about that conversation. And while everyone has their own individual recipe for what helps them heal, it sounded like prayer, brain spotting, EMDR, EFT, tapping, and neurofeedback were a few of the key ingredients that had Carmen go from frenetic to calm, while she also healed her adrenals and so much more. Stay in touch with Carmen by going to CarmenHunterHealth.com, and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Taking the steps towards healing allows you to return to yourself, trusting in yourself again and realizing that you're your own person. So don't be a yes girl or guy when you're people pleasing as a means of getting love because when you do, you're betraying yourself. And if you ask me, that's worth getting to the root of so you can change that. Be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz and like the show, subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about it. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.